0: Good morning, CBC, once again, welcome, Merry Christmas. Uh, Wasn't that a lot of fun? I had watched that a few times already now, and every single time I am just so filled with joy uh, watching our kids in that video. Hope you enjoyed our Children's Ministry Christmas program. I know slightly different than previous ones, but it's always a blessing, always a joy to see our kids celebrate Jesus. Uh, So with that being said, I actually want to take this opportunity to thank our amazing children's ministry team for all of their hard work, especially over these past nine months. I want to thank Steph Luna, Tina Lorenz, our children's directors, Bianca Tolentino, Christina Mark for doing a lot of the heavy lifting, and all of our amazing teachers, aides, volunteers who have been pouring into our kids week in and week out over this pandemic, showing them and teaching them why Jesus is worth celebrating. I also want to thank our media intern, Nikki Yoshinaga, who spent countless hours uh, putting that video together. Uh, It was amazing. I absolutely loved it, and I hope you Enjoyed it too. Well, this morning we are continuing our Christmas series on Advent, a season of preparation and anticipation as we remember and celebrate the birth of Jesus and the significance of that single event in history. And as we celebrate uh, this season together, uh, one thing that we're doing together as a church is we have been lighting uh, a separate unity candle, not unity candle, that's for weddings, and I don't know why I just said that, but we've been lighting separate Advent candles each week as a symbolic way to focus on Jesus' birth and to remember and acknowledge the significance and the impact That it has on us today. So far, we have lit the hope candle and the love candle. So, if you have those two candles with you right now, let's go ahead and light them together. Each of these candles, one, representing the hope that we have because of Jesus, that because of what he's done, we can be confident and optimistic about everything that God has in store. Secondly, we are reminded of the love that has been demonstrated to us by Jesus simply coming to earth. For God so loved the world that he sent his one and only son. And today, we're going to light the peace candle. We're going to reflect upon the peace that God extends to us through Jesus. And we're going to look at one practical way that we can experience more of it. Scriptures tell us that on the very first Christmas, that an angel of the Lord appeared to a group of shepherds out in a nearby field tending their sheep. And this angel would say to these shepherds, as recorded in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 2, verses 10 to 12 Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying. In a manger. Well, immediately after, we're told that the heavens opened, that a choir of angels appeared, literally thousands of them, declaring, as recorded in verse 14, glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. Peace to those on whom his favor rests. Now this word peace is loaded with meaning and significance. right? The fact that on the very first Christmas, all of heaven is declaring God's peace, tells us a little something about just how significant this is. The word peace that we see recorded throughout the New Testament, it's it's rooted in a Hebrew word, the word shalom. And shalom carries the meaning of of wholeness and completeness. To have shalom, to experience shalom, would would be to to thrive and to to flourish in every dimension of life, physical, emotional, social, spiritual. And thus, in the context of relationships, to have shalom uh, not only meant the absence of conflict or tension, but the presence of perfect harmony, affection, fulfillment. And thus, in the Old Testament, a peace treaty or a treaty of peace between two parties uh, would involve uh, two parties coming together and not only promising to stop fighting, but promising to seek out the welfare and the well-being of the other. In other words, to provide and to protect. It's one party saying to the other, I promise to not only not fight you, I promise to do what is good for you, what is best for you. And thus, the angels, what the angels are declaring to these shepherds, what angels are declaring to us through Scripture, is that Jesus coming to earth was God ushering in his peace to those who want it. Now, the rest of Scripture would go on to expound what this peace entailed and the great lengths that God would go to make this available. In short, because of Jesus, by faith, we can have peace with God, that our sins are forgiven, anger and hostility, wrath and punishment are set aside and it's replaced by love, mercy, and favor. And because of Jesus, because we have peace with God, we can also have peace with one another. Sins can be forgiven, anger and hostility, wrath and judgment can be set aside, replaced by love mercy, and favor. And because we have peace with God, because we have peace with one another, because of Jesus, one day we'll have peace with all of creation, living in perfect harmony. A new heaven, a new earth, new bodies no longer affected by sin or brokenness. So the shepherds, they're they're seeing all this, they're hearing all this. It's hard to, to know how much of it they... They grasped. But what they experienced was amazing nonetheless. So they decide to head over to Bethlehem and to see what this angel was telling them about. So they go to Bethlehem. They find a group of people. Amongst that group is Joseph and Mary and a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger just as the angel had described. So the shepherds, they're... They're excited, and, and they're telling everybody who's willing to listen exactly what they had just witnessed. Right? That an angel appeared, right? talking about a Messiah being born. Great joy, uh, great news of great joy. Town of Bethlehem, wrapped in cloths, lying in a manger. Glory in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom His favor rests. And then we're we're given this interesting statement in verses. 18 to 19. It says, And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherd said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. Now here the author Luke compares and contrasts Mary's response to the shepherds' message in comparison to everyone else. Now, it's hard to know who everyone else is referring to. It's Joseph, it's perhaps other relatives, family members, friends, neighbors, Christmas carolers. And what Luke tells us is that everyone else was amazed, all who heard were amazed, but Mary treasured all these things and pondered them in her heart. Now there's nothing wrong with being amazed, uh, experiencing a sense of awe and wonder over something that God does. That's, That's healthy. That's natural. That's a good thing. Luke tells us that all who heard were amazed, which means that Mary was amazed too. But she took it one step further. She treasured those things. She pondered them in her heart. You see, what we're told here is that what separated Mary from everyone else was not simply what was said to her or done for her, but how she responded, she treasured and pondered. To treasure something is to to value something greatly, to hold something close to one's heart, right? To give something extreme importance, right? There's a big difference between experiencing a, a moment of happiness in comparison to actually treasuring something. Perhaps Christmas morning is a great example of a time where we will experience a moment of happiness that soon dissipates and vanishes. Right? How many young children on Christmas morning are going to open up a present, declare it the best present ever, only to be whatever about it? few weeks, a few days, maybe even a few hours later. I think we've all been there and done that. It pretty much sums up my personal relationship with Amazon Prime, right? I go online. I order the best present ever to myself. And for a day or two, I am just living with excitement and anticipation I'm on the computer on my phone throughout the day, checking the tracking, waiting for it to go from the, you know, the seller to the shipping facility, from the shipping facility to the sorting facility, from the sorting facility to the carrier facility, and then to see those three beautiful words, out for delivery. Finally receive that package, open it up. I'm excited, I'm thrilled, the best present ever to myself. Few days later, it's just stuff. Now, compare that to something in my life that I kind of maybe sort of treasure. In addition to all the important things like God and family and ministry and church and whatever else it is you think I should treasure, in addition to those things, one thing that I've grown to kind of maybe treasure, and it's a little embarrassing to admit, is my bike. It's my bike. Now, at our house, we have uh, an attached garage, like many of you do, but what's a little weird is that the, the door that is connected, that connects our house to the garage, it's, it's actually, it's in our master bathroom. Little weird, Awkward but it's the only place we could put it with codes and permits and all that stuff. So whenever I'm in the master bedroom, whenever I'm near the bathroom, when I'm maybe even in the bathroom, throughout the day, I will inevitably, consciously, sometimes subconsciously, walk over, open up that door to the garage, turn on the light, and just gaze upon my bike. And when I look at the bike, and I think about riding the bike, I feel a little warmth, feel a little joy, excitement. And I know it's, it's embarrassing to admit I am sinful and imperfect, so please don't judge me. I'd rather, pray for me that nothing bad ever happens to my bike. Now, joking aside, I think all of us have certain things in in our life that we treasure a little more than we do other things in our life. For some of us, maybe it's a material possession. Maybe it's a car. Maybe it's a set of golf clubs. Uh, Maybe it's someone in our life, a significant other. Maybe it's our kids, our grandkids, nieces, nephews. Maybe it's a hobby or interest of, of some sort. But for Mary, what she treasured was everything God had said to her, everything God had done for her. And because she treasured those things, she pondered them in her heart. In other words, she thought about it continuously. She dwelled upon it day and night. And it's kind of fascinating to try, fascinating to try to imagine what mary thought about when she pondered those things maybe she thought about why why god chose to to bless her out of everybody on the planet earth why why her maybe she thought about what what jesus would be like what he would be like as a, as a baby as a, as a toddler youth a teenager maybe she imagined how things would would unfold, how her life would turn out, how God would fulfill his promises regarding Jesus. You see, Mary's ability, her commitment to treasuring the things of God, to thinking about it continuously, this would be instrumental in her faith and in her journey. You see, one would kind of imagine... That if you give birth to God in flesh, you'd be set for life. You'd be taken care of. You wouldn't have to work. The rest of your life would be comfortable. But that wasn't the case. That wouldn't be the case for Mary. Being God's mom and disciple simultaneously would prove itself to be complicated and challenging. First, raising him as, as a child, eventually following his ministry, listening to his teachings, seeing his miracles, overhearing the criticisms and the hate, watching him being tortured, executed, witnessing his resurrection receiving his commission striving to obey all his instructions and through it all mary knew god's peace she remained faithful and strong and that's the question for us this morning is do we truly treasure the things of God. That when it comes to everything He's ever said and everything that He's ever done as recorded in Scripture and in our own personal faith journey with Him, how much do we treasure those things? How often do we think about it and dwell upon it and reflect upon it? You see, the more we treasure something, the more we think about it. It's kind of common sense. But what's also true is that the more we think about something, the more we begin to, to treasure it. It's kind of marketing, advertisement 101. Right, if a company can get you to think about something you've never thought about, then there's a good chance they can get you to want it. And if they can get you to want something, then there's a chance they can get you to buy something. The more we treasure something, the more we think about it. The more we think about something, the more we begin to treasure it. And thus, because our thoughts both reflect the heart and affect the heart, then what we think about also affects what we feel, what we experience. For instance, if I think about all the things that I want but don't have, I'll begin to feel a little dissatisfied, discontent. If I dwell upon all the things that I need to do and get done in a short amount of time, I begin to feel stressed and overwhelmed. If I'm consumed by all the things that certain people have done to hurt me and offend me, then I'll begin to feel angry and resentful if I constantly think about all the things that could possibly go wrong in my life, around my life, and there's a lot of that going on these days, then I'll begin to feel worried and anxious. But what Scripture tells us is that if we think about the things of God, if we reflect upon who He is and what He's like and all that He said and all that He's done, we will experience more of his peace, more of his hope, his love, his joy. Now, it doesn't mean we don't think about all the other things. We, we have to think about those things too. It's part of life, but what do we think about more? What do we think about most? Last week, after our virtual service, during our post-service Zoom gathering, uh, we were put in different breakout rooms uh, consisting of four or five people each. And the question that we were going around discussing and sharing was a question that Pastor Nick presented to us. And the prompt was this, a share with each other uh, one time where you experienced God's love. Share about one time that you experienced God's love. And in our breakout room, as each person shared about a significant time in his or her life that God demonstrated his love, as each person was sharing, we got a little emotional, right? The person sharing got emotional. And what was obvious during that time is that as each one of us reflected back upon a significant time that God demonstrated his love. As we thought about a past event, something that God did, we were not only retelling a story, but we were experiencing him. We were experiencing his love. We were experiencing his peace. We felt gratitude, joy, hope. See, the more we think about God, the more we reflect upon Him, the more we experience Him. Look what the Apostle Paul writes in Philippians chapter 4. Verses 8 and 9. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Think about such things. Verse 9, whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. As we make our way towards Christmas this week, as exciting as that might be for some of us, or as challenging as that might be for some of us in light of our circumstances. And as basic and as elementary as this may sound, let us be intentional. Let us be committed to pausing throughout the week, simply stopping to think and reflect about What we're celebrating. That Jesus came to live amongst us. That out of humility, he died for us, even death on a cross. Because of his life, his death, his resurrection, we are forgiven and adopted as sons and daughters. We're given the Holy Spirit to dwell within us. And God is constantly at work for us to do what is good and best for us. In a few moments, we're going to light the peace candle. And after we light that candle, Matt and the worship team are going to come back on stage and they're going to give us a minute, 30 seconds to a minute, where we can just reflect and think about what we're celebrating. To think about God coming to earth, Jesus being born to live amongst us. So if you have your candles, Uh, Let's go ahead and light the peace candle together right now. Will you pray with me? God of love, Grace. We thank you for sending Jesus to live amongst us, to die for us. And as we sit in your presence now, as we consider and reflect upon who you are and all that you have done for us. God, I pray that you would help us to see you clearer. Pray that you would help us to hear you better. I pray that you would enable us to know more of your peace. So God, we give you our hearts. We give you our minds. We give you this time. We thank you. We praise you. In Jesus' name. Amen.